Good morning, everybody. Great to see you this morning. Good to be together and uh, come and share. Um, I warmly welcome you today. And uh, it's great to have my good friend Jackie Griffiths with us here on the front row. Jackie is one of our Ela missionaries in Malawi. And so she's here just having the weekend. She's back home for a couple of months and uh, on furlough. And so we always we go back 30 years, me and Jackie. And uh, she's still my friend after 30 years. That's encouraging, isn't it, Jeremy? So it's great to have you here today, Jack. And um, so I just want us to share the scriptures this morning. Um, if you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. I want to speak about freedom this morning. Um, I just really, uh, you know, I really felt as we were just uh, praying on Wednesday, I, I, I've just been kind of sitting on this sermon for the last couple of weeks, just saying, okay, Lord, how we've been doing this This Is Life series uh, over Easter, and uh, just looked at various aspects of what it means to be alive in Christ. And um, today I just want to jump out of Isaiah chapter 61 and share really on the, having freedom in life. How many of you know God wants you to be free? Wants you to live in freedom. Wants you to be free in yourself to follow him and to know him. And so I want to just try and press in on that a bit this morning. Isaiah chapter 61, the prophet Isaiah speaking and uh, uh, prophesying forward in time about what the Lord was going to do through his son, Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feel on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of a disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Amen. It's not a bad promise for today, is it? We'll start like that, won't we? And then if you turn to when Jesus comes into Luke chapter 4, and he stands up in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he says these words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow, what a moment that would have been in the synagogue when Jesus read out these prophetic words from hundreds of years before and he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow, isn't that amazing? I tell you, I love it that Jesus came to bring freedom to captives. I love it that Jesus came to set people free. And uh, you know, uh, we want to just finish this little series by talking about this is life, freedom. It's free. God wants you to be free today of so many things that come into our lives. That's why Jesus came. You see, life that is not free is a difficult life. Now, I'm not talking about physical freedom today. Because, you know, many of the apostles and many of the heroes of faith in the scriptures knew what it was to be captive physically. 
knew what it was to be restricted. In fact, many of our brothers and sisters today are suffering restriction. You know, they're suffering. Some of them are in prison today. Some of them are not free today to meet and worship like we are, just because they're Christians. Some of them are under threat today. We even saw last week, didn't we, on Easter Sunday, people being just blown up because they were worshiping. All around the world, there, there are restrictions, physical problems. But listen, Jesus comes and he says, I want you to be free. Listen to this, Romans 8 verse 1. There is now con- no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's this, this proclamation over our lives that God wants us to be free. See, freedom is about a quality of life that Jesus came to bring for us. Freedom is about being able to enjoy this eternal life that God puts into our lives and into our nature. Eternal life has got to be free life. Because no one wants to live eternally if they're not free. And see, if eternal life is something that starts now, when we're here, this is eternal life that they may know God. John 17, verse 3. See, we know God. We've entered into eternal life. And therefore, eternal life needs to be that we have freedom in ourselves, that we're free to be who God's called us to be, that we're free from all the stuff of life that would seek to overcome us. This is one of the keys to enjoying what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Paul says it in Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be enslaved again, be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He says, listen, freedom is critical. You need to be free free of religion. You need to be free of uh, the way that you think so that you can enjoy what Jesus has done for you. Now, you're saying here, well, you know, we're free, Dave. Don't push it too much. See, I think God wants to set us free, not just in our physical lives, but in our emotional, internal understanding of who we are in Christ. Because that's where the baggage is. That's where the chains are. You know, we love that hymn, My Chains Fell Off. What chains was he talking about? You know, that great old hymn, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. My chains fell off. What is he saying? He said, something happened in me and my understanding changed and my spiritual reality changed and things that once bound my life broke off my life. And so I believe, you know, um, and I don't often come to this point of saying this, but I believe God wants to set people free today. I, I, I just feel in my spirit, God wants to set some people free today of stuff that has bound you, some of you, for years. God wants to set you free. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He wants you to be free of the chains today that surround your life. And that's what Jesus comes and he stands up in the synagogue and he starts to announce this proclamation. I have come so that people could be free. What does he mean today? I want to give just a few things that Jesus came to bring freedom from in his declaration here. First of all, he says he's come to bring freedom from guilt. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The poor there is all of us. We're all guilty. We're all sinful. We're all cut off from the knowledge of God. And so he comes and says, listen, I want to bring freedom from guilt, from the shame of sin. I have come to set you free from it. Bring good news to the poor. You see, last week we celebrated what the death and resurrection of Jesus was about. And, you know, we said, hey, Jesus has come to bring life and all its goodness, to bring power to live. And that's what Easter means for us. But the freedom that comes from that, we, ha- we can never um, kind of forget. For all of us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Isn't that amazing? 
See, the, the wages is something that we earn. See, our own actions have earned us separation and death. What Jana was talking about just a few minutes ago. It's earned us that separation from his plan and purpose for our lives. But actually, the free gift of God is eternal life. It's to deal with freedom from sin and death and guilt. And we come into the presence of God. Called the divine exchange, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Wow, isn't that amazing? Again, he's not talking about financial riches. He's talking about the riches of knowing that we're free in God. That we're free from all the stuff that surrounds our lives. Freedom from sin. Then he says, he sent me to set, to proclaim freedom for prisoners. See, Jesus had a clear purpose in his life. He wanted prisoners to be set free. Wow, isn't that amazing? He wanted people who were in captivity to all kinds of things to be set free. That was his plan and his purpose. And so he stood up and he proclaimed, I'm here to set prisoners free. And everybody looked around, you know, like they were in church going, oh, well, there's no prisoners here. But he knew. And so he started to declare, no, I've come to set people free from the thing that holds them captive. 2 Peter 2 verse 20 says this, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. That's an interesting scripture, isn't it? In other words, whatever we allow to control us, whatever we give dominion over our lives, we become prisoners to it. We become captive to it. And Jesus comes and he says, you know what? I've come to set you free from that which you've given authority over your life. I've come to set you free from that which you've allowed to consume you and rob you of the future that I have for you. I've come to give you a place where you can live in expansiveness and in freedom without the restrictions that this world and the stuff that it does to you would leave upon your life. That's not bad news, is it? And all of a sudden we begin to understand freedom from captivity. This is life, freedom from guilt, from shame, from fear, from anger, from rejection, from addiction, from all the things that would hold us and tie us back, from all the things that would cause us to fear the future. Jesus comes and says, I've come to free you from all that. I've come to set prisoners free. You know, sometimes it takes a long time for us to admit that we're prison, we're captive to something. That something has dominated our life and agenda We're following Christ, for sure. We believe in the promise, for sure. But actually, there's these areas of our lives that are just holding back. There's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, the story of uh, Judges, Gideon. And it says, I think it's in Judges chapter 6, because the oppression of the Midianites was so great, the Israelites prepared strongholds for themselves in caves and clefts. And it's this amazing story of the people of Israel living in the promises of God but living in prison in the promises of God. Because they're so fearful of things that could happen to them is that they head for the caves. So they're in the promises of God, but they're in the caves in the promises. And instead of enjoying the fruit of the land, they're living with restriction. See, one of the most significant things I ever heard in life was the devil doesn't need to defeat you, he just needs to contain you. See, most of us, the devil's not out to defeat us. We're not important enough. He just needs to contain us. He just needs to put us in a prison of our own making or of someone else's making and keep us hemmed in because then we lose the ability to believe what God can do through us. 
And so Jesus comes and he says, I've come to set prisoners free. I've come to call prisoners out of caves and into the freedom of the promised land. I've come to call people who have been chained by behavior and by habits that have broken and distorted their lives. I've come to call them out of that into something perfect for their future. Jesus comes and he says to us today, come on, here it is. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for captives in this place. See, this is what renewed thinking is all about. It's learning to think according to the, the spirit and the word. Not the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because the devil will speak to us. He will send demonic thoughts into our lives to try and keep us captive to all kinds of things that we've allowed to master us. And all of a sudden, the word of God comes, and Jesus proclaims, I've come to set captives free. And there's instantly a challenge to how we think and respond to what God says. Will I believe what the Lord says? Will I take hold of what God says? Or will I allow the the lies of my captivity to continue to dominate my life? I want you to hear him speak today. Freedom for prisoners. Freedom over our lives. Number three, he's come to bring freedom from sickness. Luke 4.18 says, recovery of sight for the blind. You know, Jesus is emphatic in declaring that he's come to heal sickness. You know, there, this, this might be uncomfortable for us. Because, you know, sometimes we don't see the healings take place that we want to uh, see. And we have to live in this life of faith. Friends, I want to remind you, even Jesus couldn't do merry miracles where there wasn't much faith. And so sometimes we just have to press right through that and say, Lord, I don't know why people aren't being healed, but this I do believe you heal. And therefore, I'm going to pray for the same. See, if we allow the circumstances to dictate our faith rather than the promise, then actually we lose our way pretty quickly. And there is a contention. There is a, there is a, a fight on today in this world to believe the truth or to believe the lie. I was reading an article, I was on Facebook, came up with my thing about a theological seminary in New York where the leader of the, the theological seminary has just said she doesn't believe in God, in, in resurrection, she doesn't believe in miracles, she doesn't believe in the virgin birth, she doesn't believe in a literal cross or a literal resurrection, and she's the head of the theological seminary, and I'm thinking, well, I don't know what's left. I just believe in a physical human Jesus. Big deal. If only for this. Life, we have hope in Christ. We ought to be pitied above all people. Our hope is in the supernatural God who heals people and who brings the healing power. And I love it. It says recovery of sight for the blind. Tell you what, friends, we need some recovery to take place around the churches in these days. We need to see the church become places of recovery for all kinds of people. Isn't it great that you've recovered? Some of you are still recovering. That's okay. That's, that's the process, isn't it? Isn't it great that actually, uh, you know, we don't have to be perfect today, but we're not what we were. Do you remember when you first came to Jesus and you were like, what is all this? And you had all this stuff in your life and it was like, oh, but all of a sudden you start to see. The Bible says you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, you were glorified. Because God's doing something in you. And so we come and we say, you know what? God wants to bring freedom from sickness into our lives. This is the testimony that Luke makes in the book of Acts. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What a testimony. God's in the business of healing people. Oh, that's a great point, Dave. Well made. Come on. See, I think truthfully, guys, we need to start to speak faith back into the church on this issue. 
We do. We need to get bold again. We need to start to uncover what's going on. Because, friends, I don't want this place to be a place of the lack of faith. Too many churches are known for not believing. We need to be known for what we believe. So we're going to pray for the sick, and they will recover. That's what the Bible says. See, it's not up to me for them to recover. If it was up to me for people to be perfect, do you think I'd look like this? I'm joking, all right? Somebody will come up to me and say, you need to love yourself more, Pastor. I love myself, okay. It's fine. What I'm saying is there needs to be freedom to pray for the sick. There needs to be that because Jesus has come to bring us healing in our lives. He wants people to recover. He wants people to get better. He wants people to recover physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. He wants people to become strong in him. That's part of what Jesus stood up. I've come to bring recovery for the blind, recovery of sight for the blind. And that was his mission, and it's still what the church should proclaim. Or oh, wouldn't it be convenient if we just had to say, well, healing was when Jesus walked the, platform, well, the planet. We don't have to worry about that too much. Friends, it'd be great. Listen, I've been to the bedsides of people in this church and prayed for healing, and they've died. I've walked out of the, whoa. I've walked out of the hospital, and I've sat in the car, and I said, God, where is it, Lord? Where is the healing? I don't do it flippantly. I don't do it lightly. But I tell you, friends, I'm going to continue to pray. Because it's easy to pray death. I want to pray life. It's easy to give up and say, well, okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. But I want to be someone who says, you know what? I believe God can change lives and circumstances. So let's pray for life. But you see, if you don't believe in freedom, then you pray for other things. See, it's a principle in your life. What do, we, do we believe it? Freedom. Recovery of sight for the blind. Do we believe that God wants to bring it? And so it's a challenge to our faith. I love it in the scriptures in, in a, the early book of Acts when chaos is being caused because G, Peter and John are walking into the temple and they pray for this guy who's been by the temple gate for years. But one day they look at him and go, I reckon Jesus might want to free this guy from his condition get up and walk and they get up and walk another day Jesus is uh, Peter is walking down the street and his shadow happens to fall on someone who's got faith to be healed and guess what they jump up and they get healed why because they believe that there's freedom from sickness in the gospel and the power of Christ Jesus and Peter goes it's in the name of Jesus that this man's healing has come to him it's the name of Jesus that he recovered and was completely made well This is life, freedom from sickness. See, I want to tell you, friends, we need to contend for what Jesus came to bring. And it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be convenient. And we will get ups and downs. And we will get some. But here's one thing I know. You see more people healed when you, oh, my nosebleed started. It's all right, don't worry. It happens when I get excited. We see more people healed when we start to pray for people. Should we pray for my nosebleed in Jesus' name? We see more people heal when we start to pray for people than we do when we don't. Because we're starting to say we believe that the victory is won in Christ Jesus on the cross. And therefore we're going to do what he calls us to do. I think that's the Lord's way of telling me to be quick. Freedom from oppression. Listen, I love this. He came to set the oppressed free. Oppression is about being under such pressure from something that it's dominating and deteriorating your life. The root Greek word means to break into pieces. That's amazing, isn't it? 
that something comes on your life and it seeks to break you into pieces. It seeks to destroy that which God has put together. It seeks to just shatter dreams and illusions. And Jesus stands up and he says, I'm calling people who are oppressed and I'm saying, be released in Jesus' name. What a message of salvation. What a message of grace. I love it. Acts 5, 6, crowds gathered from the town around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Hey, we don't mention evil spirits very much, but I tell you, friends, there are people in this building today, you're tormented by evil spirits. There's a spiritual attachment to your life that's seeking to oppress. I don't mean, we're not into the exorcism, okay, in this, in this context. We're not talking they have possession over you, but they're oppressing your thoughts, they're seeking to rob you of the glorious freedom of Christ. And so we need to recognize, actually, Jesus has come to bring freedom from oppression. From that pressure that the evil one would put on you that says, you'll never be good enough to be a Christian. You'll never be good enough to make it. You'll never be who you want to be. You'll never be what Jesus wants you to be. You're just never going to make it as a believer. And you're saying, well, I know I'm not good enough. Listen, it's an oppression. And we want to cast that off today in Jesus' name. Because either that's true or it's not, isn't it? Don't you think? Shall I get to this place? Either this is all true and we need to proclaim freedom and start to see it, or we might as well pack up. Don't you think? Either we need to go gung-ho for people to be set free and lives to be changed, or we might just all sing songs and go home. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. See, some of us, we've got to get, we, go, we need to bring our minds. Some of you, honestly, you need to go home this week and you need to lay hands on your head. And look in the mirror and declare freedom over your life. And say, you know what? Jesus has come to release me from the oppression that has been holding me back for the last five years. And in Jesus' name, I command release from it. And you, listen, I can do it. But guess what? Jesus does it, not me. I have to still do that over my life. It's a nice picture, isn't it? Standing in the mirror. In Jesus' name. Friends, I do it. Because sometimes the battle in my head is so acute. I've got to say, you know what? No, by the grace of God, I'm going to be free of that. I'm going to be free of that. You're not going to crush me, devil. You're not going to crush me, guilt. I'm going to be free in Jesus' name to do what he's called me to do. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from despair. Isaiah 61. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Friends, I don't know how that works. I wish, I wish I could do it. I wish I could just bind up the brokenhearted. But see, this is something that's in the scripture. And God says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon him to bind up brokenhearted. God wants to set people free from despair. See, stuff happens in life that brings grief and trauma, that, brings, that seems to shut down any future in life. And the spirit of God comes and he says, I can bind that up. I can bring you relief from pain in that respect and then I can bring healing for the future because that's what freedom brings. God wants to set people free from despair even today because it's who he is. It's what he does. I love it. When Jay was praying, I don't know if it was out there or in here, we were just saying, you know, we don't have to do anything. You know, Jesus isn't more able to heal today because we've had a good week. Don't you love that? Every preacher needs to hear that. You know, Jesus isn't more able to heal today because we're all looking good. 
because I've lost three pounds. That's a lie. I don't think that's happened. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is it's not us that brings healing. It's the Lord. See, if we're depending on Dave Ailing to set people free, man, we're in trouble, aren't we? All right, you're nodding quite vigorously there, don't you? I mean? <laughs> but truthfully, it's the Lord. Freedom from despair. He comes. But this is really my sermon today. We're getting into it now. <laughs> see, see, he's freed us from those things. He's freed us from them. But he's freed us for something. See, that's the real deal. And you find it just in the lower verses that I read from Isaiah 61. See, this is what the prophet says we've been given to enjoy. We've been made free to enjoy. It says this, that we've been given a crown of beauty instead of ashes. You've been set free to be beautiful in God. You've been made a new creation in Christ. You see, some, see, one of the big struggles that most people have in life is the whole sense of self-image and who we are that seeks to dominate our psyche and our lives. But when you come into the kingdom and you're made free, then you're given a new image. You've been given a crown of beauty. Some of you need to look around you and think, oh, look at them, they're beautiful today. <laughs> See, the image is not what we have on the outside. It's who we are in Christ. And God puts a crown upon us and says, you know what? These are my people. And if we can just receive that crown of beauty instead of ashes. See, ashes were what you wore when you were in, uh, in grief, when you were in despair, when you had nothing, when you were rejected. Ashes were what you poured over your head. And in that moment, Jesus says, no, there's no more ashes for the people of God. There's just a crown of beauty. I want to restore the character and nature of my people. I want to lift them up. I want to free them from the mistakes of the past and put something upon them that would help them to understand that in me, life changes. There's a crown upon their heads. Freedom to enjoy the beauty of being made new in Christ. Then it says, uh, there's an oil of joy instead of mourning. Don't you love that? You know, if I had one message that I would say about following Jesus, it would come down to this. God wants us to enjoy knowing him. He wants it to be a life-giving thing. It's an oil of joy instead of mourning. I know there are seasons of mourning in, the life, in all our lives, when things go wrong, when things are difficult, when we're oppressed. But you know what? The oil of joy is what God wants to pour upon us. See, I want to be joyful in following Jesus. I don't want it to be. Sometimes carrying your cross is hard, but friends, there's still joy for us as we carry. There's still life for us. Instead of mourning, there's joy. And so uh, every week I'm saying to God, God, I want to enjoy this. I don't just want to endure it. There are seasons when enduring seems like everything. But the friends, it's about perspective, isn't it? See, you can even enjoy endurance if you get your head around it. Friends, there are 40,000 people doing that in London this morning in the marathon. They're enjoying endurance. Some of them will finish by now. Some will finish in another eight hours. They're enjoying endurance. 
You see, what happens is they understand that the goal that's set before him, they endured the cross. They understand for the goal that's set before us, there's enjoyment in knowing God. And so we just say, Lord, let the oil of joy run over me. Set me free from the mourning that has consumed my life. I want to be free to enjoy it, to live in the fullness of it. And it says we've been given a garment in praise instead of a spirit of despair. Wow. See, a spirit of despair is something that comes upon you. (laughs) And maybe you can't really control it, but a garment of praise is something you can put on. See, the spirit of despair might be there, and you have to say, how do I fight the spirit of despair? Well, you have to put on something. You have to put on praise. You have to start to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to praise Jesus. Because like even in this prison that I'm in, see, how many of you know that some of the prison starts to become free when you just start to sing? When there starts to be worship. See, worship isn't just a a thing that we do on a Sunday. Worship is something that we do in our lives. Worship is something that sets us free. Worship is something that allows us to become filled with who God is. Worship is something that lifts up the principle and the kingdom of God in heaven. And we begin to connect with him. And all of a sudden, we start to go from uh, despair to hope. We start to be free. You see, we forget that we are free to worship. It's a privilege for us. See, there's a difference between singing and worship, isn't there? Some people can sing songs, but they're not worshiping. There's no liberty in their heart. There's no sense of, you know what? I can sing this as a redeemed child of God. Amazing grace. People sing amazing grace all over the world. But when you get people who are redeemed singing amazing grace, it sounds different. Why? Because we've been given a spirit of prayer, a garment of praise. And so we need to understand, if we're going to live in the freedom of God, that needs to come out. We need to get the garment of praise out. Some of us, we've got an old dusty suit. We need to put it out. We need to get it out and say, you know what? I'm no longer going to nurture and feed the despair. I'm going to nurture and feed praise to God because if I can just break through, I'm going to come into freedom in Christ rather than be held in a captivity and despair. Hello? Because the garment of praise is going to come out. We used to sing the old song to me. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. Oh. No? I bet Jackie knows it. Lift up your voice. You know, that's, that's the truth. Sometimes, friends, we just need to, well, smile at ourselves in the mirror and go, you know what? God's in control. It's going to be all right. Spirit of praise. Doesn't take away the, dis- doesn't change the thing that's caused the despair. Doesn't change that necessarily, friends. But it brings us on from the despair to recovery. Because we've started to sing praises to God. Number four. I don't know how many points I've got. Listen to this. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Hallelujah. I say that every time I go in the curry house. (laughs) Instead of my shame, I will receive a double portion. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? It's this amazing thing. God says, listen, I want to set you free, not just from things. I want to bless you. I've set you free so I can pour blessing into your life. A double portion was that thing that was given to the oldest son. It was an anointing. It was a gift. It was a recognition of his status in the family. It was a double portion. He was given double what everybody else was given. Why? It was a gift from his father to him to bless him and to to just edify him. Friends, I want you to know, instead of the shame that would surround your life, God wants to bless you big time. Wants to pour it into your life. Bands start to come back because we're going to uh, 
We're going to do something in a minute. Who knows? See, see, here's a question, friends. Are you free enough? Here's a, are you free enough to believe that God wants to give you a double portion? That's a big question, isn't it? Or are you so banged up that you think if anybody's getting double portions in here, it won't be you? See, that's a captivity issue. Because if you think you're a son, if you think you're a daughter, then, then you, don't, you don't worry about asking God for more. You're willing to say, yeah, Lord, I want to receive everything you have for me. God, if there's double portions coming, Lord, I'm in. I, I want to live in it. I've got two boys. None of them struggle with asking me for anything. It's like just after we've got one thing, we move on to the next. Why? Because they're sons. They know I love them. They know I want to bless them. They know I don't want them to live in shame. I don't want them to live in lack. I want them to live in the abundance that I can provide for them. Why would our Heavenly Father be different? And yet so often, God wants us to be free to believe there's a double portion coming in your life. Hey, some of you, that's a prophetic word of your life today. You need to start to believe it deep in your soul. God, I've got to believe for a double portion again in my life and in who I am. And then finally, there's an inheritance. Instead of disgrace, you will receive an inheritance for you. Oh, amen. Can you imagine? You see, I used to think when I was a kid, an evangelist used to give me that impression. Nothing against evangelists, by the way. But they used to say things like this. What if you get to heaven and God puts on the TV screen a video of your life and the choices that you made that dishonored God? And I was 13 and I was thinking, I'm in serious trouble. (laughs) I mean, I'd grown up in a Christian home. Biggest sin I had was, uh, you know, taking my brother's Easter egg. That was it so far. But I could just see that video being replayed. See, that's, that's the guilt. That's the captivity talking. The freedom says, instead of my disgrace, God will give me his inheritance. Instead of, instead of the weakness of my life being exposed and exploited, God will say, this is my son. Everything I have is his. Because that's what freedom's all about. So we're going to sing this amazing song, Amazing Grace.